and welcome along once again to the official Scottish Rugby podcast. This week we'll be talking to Jamie Ritchie to see how his recovery from injury is going and indeed look ahead to the massive game for Edinburgh on Saturday night against Ulster at the Dam Health Stadium. We've also been joined by Dr James Robson, a podcast favourite, and Professor Craig Ritchie as Brain Health Clinic has been launched this week at BT Murrayfield. Well, we're delighted to be joined by a friendly face, somebody who know well. He's uh, always welcome to the podcast, always good to catch up. Unfortunately injured at the moment, but uh, Edinburgh Rugby and Scotland internationalist Jamie Ritchie. Jamie, injured since, was it the first week in this Yeah, the England game. England game. Mm-hmm. So, firstly, mm-hmm. I suppose, keep us up to date. How is the injury? How is the, well, I'm on Portland Rehabilitation and uh, how frustrating has it been? But, but how are you feeling at the moment? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. So about uh, 13 weeks post-op today, actually. Um, so it's flown do you, by. Do you score off the days in the calendar? Do you know it to the uh, day? No, I'm not keeping count. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it seems like it's gone really quickly, but then yeah. looking back, the England game seems so long ago as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been doing really well. It's been something that's been quite different for me, I think. I've been pretty lucky in my career so far that I've not had anything really that bad in terms of injury. And the ones that I have had have not been like necessarily very debilitating in mm. terms of like the worst I'd had probably before this was maybe a, like a neck injury I got in the Six Nations in 2019, which kept me out pretty much until the, the pre-World Cup tests. Mm-hmm. But with that, I could still run, I could still gym properly. Like I wasn't, the only thing I really wasn't allowed to do was contact. So yeah, yeah in terms of not being able to walk for a few weeks properly and like pretty much day-to-day life, everything about day-to-day life being affected was, was a new experience, but. Um, and how long was it like? Think, it was your hamstring, wasn't it? It was right at the top of your hamstring, wasn't it? And you got surgery. Yeah, so so how, long, how long could you not be you, if that makes sense? Uh, so I was in a brace for the first six weeks. Six weeks. Um, uh, the first four or five of which I think were all at, I think it was like 40 degrees, man. Then I wasn't allowed to straighten my legs, but my knee was stuck at 40 degrees. So I had to sleep with this brace on. Um, and then gradually they started to straighten it out and I could use my crutches less and less. But yeah, for the first kind of five weeks, it was pretty much like minimal weight bearing on that leg, couldn't straighten my leg, had to sleep with this big metal brace on. So. Mm like lying flat on my back all night which was a uh, it was interesting but um yeah it kind of makes you feel a bit grateful that you've not had anything that bad before but. and also like primarily the health comes first undoubtedly but during that period where it is difficult and you know you can't get on with everyday life and the six nations is still going on so it's almost a double whammy yeah. it's almost like here's what you you, you could have won scenario yeah. this is you know, what you're expecting to be involved in so so it, it's important that you, you kind of trust those around you and stay engaged and yeah. well looked after. But you're on the men now, though. You're back. Um, yeah, I'm just on that. It was good. Like, I was still allowed to come in and visit the boys. I managed to get away to Rome with them. Um, so I was in most weeks, apart from the France week. Mm-hmm. I managed to get in at least watch one training session. So, so that was good. And kind of stay mixed in with some of the chat and stuff like that, which was which was good. Good. And probably won't see you before the end of the season then, would you? Or? No, nah, probably not. So the way that it's kind of working in terms of when my first availability would be potentially for the last test in the summer tour, but I oh. think for me it's it's about like if do I rush back for that? Mm-hmm. Probably not. 
um, just with the year that we've got coming up and stuff. And I've not had a pre-season, a full pre-season since before the World Cup. You want to try so, and avoid them, though, as I'm talking for you. Yeah, well, I know. But I think for me, um, it'll be nice to have that kind of get to the end of the season and then that injury be done. Yeah. And um, a fresh start with a new season. Yeah, sounds season. good. Sounds good to say there's three tests in Argentina in the summer and then announced this week as well there's going to be a fourth Open Nation Series test match also against Argentina. So uh, if you don't make those uh, those two, the goal for November international rugby would be facing Australia, Fiji, New Zealand and Argentina. So that's a, that's a decent old series, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be good. And I always really enjoy the, the autumn stuff. Uh, obviously, you play different teams. It's not always the Six Nations teams that you're playing. And um, so it was a really good experience. It's it, I don't know something about it that feels the atmosphere. It's not as there's not as much pressure as the Six Nations, but it's still obviously hugely intense and competitive test matches you get to play in. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to hopefully being involved. Yeah, it's funny. I used to think that the longest window with your club will probably be from the start of the season until the the on tests. Yeah. So it, it it almost feels as if there's this big big build up. Exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. And the open tests come and then quite quickly after that Six Nations it's only like four or five yeah. weeks and then Six Nations yeah. so it's that big block where club where you're really competitive you're fighting pre-season you're getting a you know season off to a, a big start then you get the reward if it yeah. forms there for, for the Nations series so we'll look forward to that but close at home um, we're going to have a look at uh, the Edinburgh also game massive game for, for Edinburgh on, on Saturday yeah. night at Dam Health against Ulster um, it's fifth well seventh versus fifth believe it or not in the league yeah. uh, and I was having a look at the league table. There's three points separating second and seventh, um, yeah. or four points between second and eighth. So it's one win, really, that's separating the you know, lengths that are out and top. And then a whole host of teams vying for A, knockout stages, but B, home knockout fixtures. They, uh, this is a massive game on Saturday, isn't yeah. it? Edinburgh Ulster. Yeah, a huge, huge game. And it, and it always is, no matter when it kind of comes in the season. Um, the game against Ulster is always like a big fixture for us and they're always tough games um, but I think the game last week probably came at quite a good time so hopefully we get a bit of a reaction from from that the Zebra into, game into a big Ulster game but yeah the Zebra, it was in the last game of that Zebra game actually because it's you can only the maximum you can pick up is five five you know league points and that's what Edinburgh did yeah. and I thought there were so many good elements to the game because they had to work they had to fight weren't at their best went down to you know, 40 men initially with a yellow card, then uh, quite rightly losing Marshall Sykes a red card just after half-time. And I thought that was that was the most pleasing thing, the management, the decision-making down to 40 men where they were still trailing the game, you yeah. know, really up against it. So to come away with the five league points and be answer, have an answer to those questions, Zebra were, were pretty good themselves. They'll be frustrated with, yeah. with the result. But is that is that fair to say that the kind of best bit was was that element that had been tested and passed it, not only physically, but kind of mentally and, and, and decision-making based as well with the, with the 14 men? Yeah, I'd say so. I think, like you say, if you'd said to anyone before the game, what do you want out of it? You'd have said five points and that's what we got. So the fact that it came winning a bit ugly, which is something that we've not had to do at the Dam Health for a while, um, is, a, is a good thing. And the fact that we came out on the right side of the result, I think in the past there's been times where we've had like a big win in Europe um, I take, like thinking back to the year we played Harlequins home and away we beat them home and away 
I think the game after we beat them away from home was Zebra at home and we lost. So I think it shows a bit of a, a development as to where we've had a big win in Europe. We've come off the high of that and then we've had a tough game against Zebra at home. One that we easily could have lost, but mm. managed to grind out a win. I think the frustrating thing is injuries though, isn't there? There's one or two picked up, I think. Uh, Ramiro, I think maybe one or two in the front row as well. Um, yeah. So managing personnel and individuals becomes really important. Mike said something really, really quite enlightening on Friday night. Is we've either got three games or nine games left of the season. So to yeah. plan for that and to manage that, so, I mean, nine games is almost half a season's worth of fixtures, yeah. and three, you know, two after the weekend is, is next to nothing. So it's it's managing all those factors. But Ulster themselves, you know about Europe, they. they Obviously had that great win away in Toulouse and then lost at home at Toulouse, lost the aggregate score, so exit Europe. And they had a, they had a, a difficult and, and disappointing result for their point of view home in Munster last weekend. So they, they're coming fired up and it just all adds to the, I suppose, what will be a really pivotal match. Where do you think where do you think Ulster will be, uh, will be trying to target Edinburgh? Where do you think the, the strengths lie on Ulster's side? I think, so looking at them, at the side of the game that I would look at is... is our defence with their attack and I think they've developed their game slightly they, they, they play a bit more they've also got a lot of threat out in that back three um, and they're always physical they're always physical they always come for you up front they certainly drive a lot so it's a big threat so they're looking to nullify that drive and and kind of diffuse their back three whether that be through a kicking game or we're making sure we're defending well we're getting our edges right so I think you'll know that. You'll know the coaches pretty well. Dan's there. Firstly, Dan <laughs> McFarland, and the and Dan was always brilliant, bloke, great coach. Somebody that struck me as I can his coaching philosophy. I would say was ruthless. Like he wanted real quick, accurate, quick ball at the break and play. Yeah. Um, and he's continued that at Ulster, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Like you watch the way that they they play, they're quite structured in their in their system. Their first kind of two phases off touch lines is usually. A, a, what we would call a king, which is when you play the pod of forwards off nine and then you go into uh, what we would call a queen, which is um, a pod of forwards off ten. And it, it's quite structured, but if you look at how accurate their clears are, like it's all prescribed and it's probably something that they work quite hard on in terms of like, we need to win that ball back because lightning quick ball is what puts teams under pressure and it's something that they do well. And you know, not only Dan, but Roddy, Roddy Grant, former yeah. coach, uh, and you you worked closely with Roddy even before becoming a professional, and uh, you know the the techniques and the the work he'll be doing in the contact battle. You say it's always physical; it is always physical against Ulster. I always felt that not was it only just physical against us; it was it was physical with pace. Quite often you play a physical yeah. game; it's more arm wrestle, it's suffocating. Yeah. But Ulster, it's dynamic pace, and, and Roddy will be a big part of that. It'll be good to to catch up with these guys and and try and unpick their brains you know a lot of what they'll be doing so does that make it easier yeah. or more difficult in preparation well I think it's, it goes both ways because they'll know a lot of the stuff that we're doing and I think especially for Roddy he'll certainly be up for the game and he'll be, he'll be firing those guys up and we will put a lot of work into this week and I think um, we'll be good and Roddy's an outstanding coach an outstanding man he helped me a lot early in my career and the detail in which he goes into into the particular part of the game he's looking at is, is exceptional. He's such a hard-working guy. So for them, I'm sure they've done a lot of analysis on us. It'll be it'll be a challenge to kind of make sure we're we're getting all of our stuff right. So they were because they'll be trying to put us under pressure. Yeah, they will be. They'll also be aware of how 
good Edinburgh's forms. We had Adam Health unbeaten uh, in the competition yeah. of season one draw early on. But, you know, and it was a different type of victory we've spoken about already last week, but they'll, they'll quite rightly be aware and perhaps concerned about the tempo and the speed and the accuracy that, that Edinburgh can play with. I assume that'll be uh, at the forefront this weekend, really to, to entertain the crowd that come along, hopefully a record sellout. Um, and, you know, not only come to see Ulster, but primarily come to see Edinburgh do their thing and, and play that fast, expansive, abrasive game. And it's been a huge success so far. Yeah, and it's something that we spoke about at the start of the week, making sure that we get back to what we were really good at, uh, concentrating on the things that we've done well all year. And that um, for us, making sure we, we get it right in training, I think, speaking to a couple of the guys and listening on the meetings, um, they're, they're quite frustrated with how we trained last week. I, I don't think we trained that well. And mm. um, we're kind of not necessarily expecting it to happen on the weekend, but. Um, just not quite get not quite on it, and I think that's what we saw in the game. So it's it's good that it happened when it did, because I think you see a reaction. I think the guys have been training really well this week. Hopefully, firing and uh, everything's really sharp. So come game time, um, there's no kind of little worry in the back of people's minds that it might not go to plan. I think they've done all the preparation and, and they've trained really hard, and I'm sure it'll come to come to fruition in the weekend. Yeah, I hope so. Looking forward to it. It'll be a, it should be an absolute cracker. As I say, loads of tension. I hope the tension doesn't spoil the game. But uh, listen, it's, it's important to get a win, especially at this time of season. We've said how important that the, the league points are, how close it is at the top of the league. Um, and then there's only one fixture to come in URC after that. It's obviously 1872 home game. I can see he's smiling already yeah. when Glasgow come uh, in, in two or three weeks' time. So really important to finish strongly to, to reach a knockout. Knockout stages at the other end of the spectrum. You obviously a Cali boy grew up uh, playing your rugby in Caledonia on Sunday morning or Sunday in, in Aberdeen. It's the Saltire Energy Caledonia Cup. Now, uh, I don't think this was around when, when you played, but there's, uh, there's 30 teams gathering in Aberdeen to play Cali Cup finals. Just uh, there's been over 1,800 kids, boys and girls playing to each knockout stages. But uh, to have the the, kind of, the Caledonia Cup in in Aberdeen in a regional uh, competition would be pretty good. That's something you would have relished f- flying around at the uh, at the coattails as a, a a back rower back in the day, is it? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, like a lot of the it's guys. It's a, a lot of kids playing rugby in Caledonia. Kids, and it's so good to hear because I mean, a lot of the guys that I grew up playing age grade with and stuff. A lot of the guys came from Cali, and like we had a really good Caledonia team, and we all kind of came together in the kind of sixteens through to through to twenties and eighteens and stuff, and it was. You would only really had a national competition yeah. at that age, was that right? There wouldn't yeah. be a regional we, one. When I was at school, we only played, yeah, it was only school's cup that we played. Um, and then it was just fixtures organised by the school. Yeah. So, yeah, to have an organised competition within Caledonia and alongside that to have a national competition, I think would be brilliant. Because for me, it would have meant playing against some of my old mates from where I've been at school yeah. before, when I was at Strath, and guys who kind of grew up in around your area or you knew guys from when you played mini rugby and they obviously moved on to those schools that you weren't necessarily playing when I was at private schools. So yeah, it would have been awesome. Yeah, I can imagine there'll be a few nerves on Saturday night as a build-up. As I say, yeah. 30 teams playing, there's under-15s, under-16s and under-18 boys, cups, shields and bowl, and under-16 uh, and under-18 girls. So we've got teams from, oh, you name it, 30 on Highland, Tayside, Howie Fife, Bell, Baxter, Dundee, Aberdeen, Ellen, Huntley, everywhere. So, uh, good luck right. to all those involved on Sunday uh, up in Aberdeen at the uh, 
the Shedox play, playing fields. Have you played there? Yeah, I can't say. No, I, I, know, I know my ground's pretty well, but anyway, uh, there's going to be new posts put up and it's really grown the game up in Aberdeen, so it's uh, a great initiative. But so you'll be, uh, you'll probably be well, reviewing the game by that point that happened the night before uh, at Edinburgh and Ulster, and we'll look forward to that. One thing before you go as well, um, Glasgow lost out uh, to the Stormers in South Africa last week. Uh, pretty combative first half, but the Stormers just lit up the track in the second half and had pulled away Glasgow. Uh, play uh, the Bulls in Pretoria uh, uh, on Friday night. That's another big challenge. And, and similarly, Glasgow, I, I think uh, I think we're sixth in the league above Edinburgh. It's important that they try yeah. and get back to winning ways in, in Pretoria this week. That'll be a tough tough encounter over in South Africa, won't it? Yeah, definitely. I think, as you've seen, when all the teams have gone over, that are gone down to South Africa, they're, they're almost like a dis- different beast down there. They're so yeah. used to they've got home crowds and I thought there must be just something about playing at home for them they, they seem to turn it on like they've been a challenge away from home but um, they seem to just let up a gear when they get over and I think speaking to the boys since they've been back it was it was tough over there obviously slightly different weather and all the various different things that come with it um, yeah it's a, it's a challenge for any team but I like for Edinburgh this week I think Glasgow will be looking for a bit of a reaction after a disappointing result so hopefully I wish them all the best yeah, absolutely, and you don't want to. Uh, I said the top four teams get home playoff. As we know, yeah. how difficult it is. Edinburgh have done it. Obviously, beating the Sharks and Connacht, I think beat the Lions last week. That's the only two Northern Hemisphere sides so far that have won in South Africa. So, I mean, statistics show you 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 have a better chance with the home uh, semi or quarter final. So, we wish both obviously Glasgow over in Pretoria all the best, and and Edinburgh at the damn health and Saturday night Ulster all the best as well. Thanks for your time, Jimmy. No, cheers, Mosey. Well, thanks once again to Jamie Ritchie and we wish him well and his recovery and let's hope he gets back on the field as quick as possible. Rachel's uh, not with us again this week. She's really busy um, catching up, obviously, after the, the game in Italy last weekend and then flying over to Ireland for the, the, the final game in the TikTok Women's Six Nations. Disappointing result in Italy. A real um, tough night at the office uh, and the final game's this Saturday at the Kingspan, 8pm. So good luck to Rachel and all the squad as they conclude their Six Nations campaign. Obviously, good luck to, uh, we mentioned it, the, the Saltire Energy Cali Cup. Good luck to everybody playing in that uh, on Sunday as well. Other rugby from the weekend in the Foz Rock Super 6, well, Watsonians um, are second place, uh, one point behind uh, league leaders, Heretz, on, on 10 points. Um, Heretz had a, a Friday night win against Borough Muir uh, at Megatland uh, last week. Other results, the Knights just fell short against Watsonians at the Green Yards um, and Stirling, who were defensively brilliant against the Bulls, came out on top of Bridge Hall 33-24. So, um, yeah, well, Herit top the Fosrock Super 6. Those fixtures this week, well, a Friday night fixture uh, on free sports is the Knights at home taking on Stirling and then Saturday, Birmingham Bears face Watsonians uh, and at Melbury later on on Saturday, it's Bulls versus Herit. And you can see both of those games on Saturday on the BBC iPlayer and the Scottish Rugby website. Right, we're joined once again by uh, Professor Craig Ritchie uh, from the University of Edinburgh and, of course, our very own Dr James Robson. Um, welcome along, guys. This morning's been a really special day, hasn't it? It's been a launch of the, the Brain Health Clinic uh, at BT Moneyfield, uh, you know, a collaboration of not two years' work, including, you know, organisation Alzheimer's Scotland, University of Edinburgh, World Rugby, Scottish Rugby, NHS. So how important, uh, Craig, is, is a day like today for, for the launch of this uh, this new initiative? Oh, it's, a, it's an incredible day. I mean, it makes a lot of 
what, what's been going on over the last maybe two, three, even, even longer in terms of some of the, the work we've been doing with Brain Health Scotland, tangible. It's actually mm -hmm. now something which is real. We're going to start seeing ex-players, patients in the clinic in, in, in the weeks ahead. And, and it really is a very exciting moment to be seeing what we've been thinking about and planning actually turn into to an action. Uh, which we can really make a difference with. And is that, that's the most important thing, isn't it, James, in terms of an action? You're now in a position that you can start to affect um, change, like physical change by the research and the work that, that's getting up and running. Absolutely. We've always had the ability to influence our general physical health. And, you know, we've got an excellent team at Murrayfield uh, in Edinburgh and, and Glasgow, and they look after the physical well-being. We've made big inroads into the mental well-being of, of, of players. But now we have an opportunity in this new area to influence brain health. And that's really exciting because we've got a lot of players that are worried. They're reading lots of things in, in the press and they've had nowhere to open up with those worries. Mm -hmm. We had no means of actually providing them with a service. Now we have. So this is very exciting. I'm absolutely delighted. It's gone from simply reading about things to listening to research to actually doing something tangible, as, as Craig said. So, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm delighted. And we'll touch on the, the number of bodies and the number of people involved in bringing this to life, as you say, starting off with, a, you know, with a, well, the, the current climate around head injury and, and brain health. But before that, it's a, this is a pilot scheme. It's a clinic for um, retired international players, isn't it, to come into Moneyfield. Um, is there an age limit? Can anybody come up? Is the view to grow this ultimately on a national level or an international level? Where do we sit? Speak in more detail about the wider implications. For me, it's really a place for ex-internationals in the first instance. You wonder mm -hmm. why we're being elitist there. It's because we need to start with a small population. We need to start small and hopefully grow, grow big. That is the thought. And we're also, you know, this is the first time we've had a clinic of this sort, and therefore we need to learn in the early weeks and months about how we run the clinic, about the logistics, how we reach out to, to players, how they access our service how we review them, et cetera. So it's a mm. learning process, but it's an important process that we needed to get off the ground and hence the importance about the launch today. And it's, it's male and female players, isn't it, James? Absolutely. We, we, we're saying at the moment, ex-international players, that mm -hmm. there's no gender attached to that. We've had a, a, a couple of the ex-women's players involved with the launch this morning, as well as Gordon Bullock and yourself uh, present for, for the launch. This is about anybody that's played for Scottish rugby coming forwards, being mm -hmm. invited forwards and to avail themselves of the service. And, and, and Craig, what, what, um, what would the players experience? What's the, the first step? I mean, <laughs> that, that's a bit of a nervous giggle. Yeah, sorry, you know, it's very simply put, I mean, so the, 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 the three things we want to do in clinic, our number one is we want to look at risk factors. We want to know, mm -hmm. about, you know what, what, what's been good or bad about their life that's for their brain health. Um, so they're going to get a pack literally sent to them through the post and they'll get to fill in forms about their sleep, about their diet, about their exercise, these types of things. They'll, they'll send that back to me and I'll have a look at that before they come and see me in clinic. When I see them in clinic, I'll do a little bit of history taking, maybe drill down in some of the things they've fed back in that, in that form they fill out. I'll do a physical examination. I'll do some memory testing, some cognitive testing, uh, uh, do a blood test for certain markers that might be important for brain health. And then in the vast majority of cases, we'll send them over to the University of Edinburgh, to NHS Lothian, uh, for a brain scan. 
And then once we get all that information back from the scan and from the test results, I'll sit down with them the third thing, which is to, to go through and make what we call a personalized prevention plan. And that'll be, you know, maybe looking at some of the risk factors that we can manage. And also, I think setting a really good baseline for, you know, so if we go back in two, three, four years time from the first assessment, we can measure any changes that have taken place. And that's gonna be really, really informative as well. So, I mean, all told, there'll be, you know, two or three hours uh, with me and in the scanner to, to get this full, I think we've called it an MOT in the past. I think that's, that's, that's a, it's a brain MOT. For the players. Yeah. And, and it's your presentation this morning was identifying the the period in life where you can identify those or identify if there are going to be problems or not problems and have that MOT. And it's vitally important that that's done almost earlier, almost in, in yeah. midlife rather than later life, you're saying, because you can then act if there's indeed something to act upon. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, there's a general rule in medicine. The earlier you pick up a problem, the more likely you are to have a good impact on its prognosis and on the outcome. You know, you think about cancer, for instance, the earlier you pick up a cancer, the more likely you are to have you know, a cure. Mm -hmm. I think we're, we're learning through research. That's also the case with, with things like Alzheimer's disease and other, other forms of dementia. So um, we want to see people who don't necessarily have, you know, but, you know, happily to see people that have got concerns about their memory, they've got some symptoms, but we want to see people, you know, like I say, in midlife earlier in, in age, because that's when we think we can really make a difference to, to what happens in the longer term. Yeah, so really important. You mentioned the, the kind of risk factors, James, in terms of, there's a whole host of, of factors in terms of well-being, of health and fitness, of diet, of stress, of sleep, all these kind of are crucial elements of uh, of all disease, not just uh, dementia so you know you can take a lot of boxes really with, with making improvements in your general health that can hopefully then help with it, the prevention of, of, of dementia so there must be a lot of support for this not only from the dementia uh, community but right across the medical community yeah absolutely this is going this is going to be a global concern ev eventually we've got a magnificent track record in 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 scotland via the NHS and via the likes of Alzheimer's Scotland, Brain Health Scotland, etc., of work in this area. So, of course, it's on our doorstep. Why would we not avail ourselves of, of, mm -hmm. of, of the experts that I've got around me? So, you know, very excited, very delighted. There are things that we don't come across in, in our general medical practice that can be influenced. You know, the obvious question is, where does head injury lie? You'll have seen in the presentation this morning, head injury is a, a known, known factor. World rugby, you know, rugby governing bodies are working to reduce the amount of head impact that we have in the game. We've got the, the framework that looks at, you know, the, the tackle and, and head, head collisions. We've got the education about tackle technique. We've had a massive push on education of everybody involved in the game around recognition of concussion, um, it's early management, it's later management. We can modify those risks or that risk whilst you're playing the game, but we don't usually put any effort into modifying the likes of the sleep patterns of giving them general care, which is more important in later life as an additional um, mitigation for the development of the likes of dementia. So this is, you know, it's in tandem with what's going on about education. We're hoping to raise awareness generally in the public about brain health. Yeah. Anybody can benefit from these interventions. It's just beholden at the moment for myself as CMO for Scottish Rugby to start with our rugby players. 
But if we can get this and add on to the work that Brain Health Scotland are doing about educating everybody in the country about good mm -hmm. brain health, then we'll have really made um, a, a step in the right direction for public health. And that, that is crucial, Craig, isn't it? Because by 2025, we're looking at perhaps, well, the, the hope is that yeah. you can run, run this out NHS over the country for, for anyone. I think, I think it's really worth emphasising that, that, you know, we've, we've obviously been working at Brain Health Scotland, been working very closely with, with James and other others at Scottish Rugby and BT Murrayfield to get this clinic up and running, which has been hugely successful. Um, but in parallel to that, we've obviously been working very closely with the Scottish Government and the NHS in Scotland to set up brain health clinics for the general public. Um, and we're hopeful that this year there's going to be two or three of those launched um, in what we're calling demonstrator sites, because I think we have to recognise there's a lot we're doing now, which is common sense and it's good medical yeah. practice. But we also have to learn as we go forward about what to optimize the clinical service, because it is new. I mean, this isn't mm -hmm. done anywhere else in the world at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, so I think, you know, running this at Murrayfield or BT Murrayfield is going to make a, a really important step for the players. But it's also a great learning place for us to take this forward for other sports and for the general public. Yeah, and that's the point, is that this could be international. In, in terms of general health, general <clears throat> any sport, any country, it's so vitally important. What what do you think? It's maybe me that should answer this question. But in terms of players, how do you think it'll be received? Is it, for me, I think there'll be a nervousness around yeah, 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 what I, you may I'll, find. I'll reflect that question back, Chris. How do you think this is perceived <laughs> by former players? And there you go. Thanks, James. Yeah. I, I think it'll be a, a strictly individual. Uh, I think. The players I've spoken to this morning, uh, there's a, and indeed non-players as well, just general public who were at the presentation. Went, Listen, this is this is brilliant because we've got more awareness, we've got more understanding, there's more research, and it can really make big differences in, in everyday life to, to act to prevent uh, dementia. As a, as a player, I'm nervous um, because you, nervous of the unknown. Now, it's a, that's a fairly stupid mm. mindset to have, but I'm also really excited that you can actually act. You can actually... Mm make a difference or, 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 or act now for, for the benefit of myself in the future, but also for the benefit of others in the future. And you mentioned the on-field high tackle framework or the, the head collision process. I mean, there's a lot of on-field stuff, but it's off-field stuff, I think, that we sometimes neglect because we just automatically assume, or, or some of us maybe automatically assume, that the, the, the head collision is the, the biggest factor in terms of the onset of dementia, but that, that isn't really the case with the number of risk factors involved. We're not. We're not we, we can't take take away that that you know collision uh, um, sport, um, multiple collisions, size of collisions, traumatic brain injury in in everyday life in in car crashes, etc., doesn't play a significant part in head injury. We're still learning about this. There's mm -hmm. more research to be done what we're saying is we can't wait for the research to be actually 100 yeah. percent one way or the other what we are saying is you know the lancet commission report was very clear there are 12 perhaps 13 now modifiable mm -hmm. conditions on field we're trying to um, modify the number of, of collisions that you have affecting your head off field we've got a lot of other work that we can do and it's that package Mm -hmm. And I think for me to jump into to what you were asking earlier about how players would react. Now, you know, obviously you're in a much better position than this than, than anybody to. But I think, you know, you said it's, it's both exciting and scary. Mm -hmm. I think we recognize that, you know, when you have a test for any medical condition, 
there's a, an element of fear associated with that. But what's the test result going to show? Is am I going to pick up something that you know I don't want to know about? But I think you know in, in medicine, if there's an action you can take mm -hmm. on the basis of that test or that result, then that should make it you know you should be encouraged to 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 to, to, to come forward for that. And I think the most important thing is also that this clinic, you know, it is a clinic. It's a safe space. There's expertise. So it's somewhere that any player who's got concerns or worries or fears should come with those fears. And that's hopefully something that, you know, in the clinic itself, we can we can we can help address. What what well, is about the fear of uh, and the anxiety of that's reflected in the general public. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people often won't go for the bowel screening because they're embarrassed mm -hmm. and they don't want to to know. But if you can find out things early, as Craig says, and then have an action that can modify it then that's got to be good for your general health. So, you know, I'm guilty as anybody for putting off going for certain screening actions. And that's silly because I've got the information. So I mm -hmm. know that there will be anxiety about the clinic and we're not forcing people to come in. What we're doing is saying we have a service, service. offer and you can avail yourselves of that service. I think what, what that also does, and there's other kind of point that I, I feel to make there in terms of being scary but exciting, it does really provide a sense of belonging for a community that wh whoever's been in that professional rugby or the international rugby community. And once you leave it, that's a big, that's a big step away. And quite often you lose touch, you lose, you know, contact with a lot of people. So that feeling of belonging, even if it is in that, that clinic and that safe space it, it is another, it's another bonus, I believe of, of just reaching out to a, to, to a group of individuals who, who've, who've shared the, the same dream. A bit like Ian McGeekin said about the Lions, you know, 20, 30 years time, you'll see one of your fellow colleagues down on the other side of the street and you'll just glance and, and you'll know, you know, all team sports engender that feeling of, of belonging and you've mm. encapsulated that. It's quite a rift to actually retire from rugby mm. and then go out into so-called civilian civilian <laughs> and that can have a profound yeah, effect on your mental health and your mental well-being and that again is a is a factor in you know people may become a little reclusive in 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 extremes so if we can tease out the likes of that kind of problem and we can help with it then that's going to be a good thing for yeah. your brain health i mean i think it's, it's worth worth Jumping in there, that one of those risk factors for dementia that's in this Lancet Commission report is, is social isolation. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that ex rugby players are socially isolated, but I think, you know, when I, I mean, you've had these conversations much more than I've ever had, but I think it was the, the meeting we had in January last year with the RPA. I was absolutely struck as a non rugby player how that transition from playing the game to retiring can lead to that disruption of a, you know, mm -hmm. big community and connection and, you know, to actually. I mean, as one of the players, one name a name, said you went, you, you know, he retired on the Saturday and the following weekend, he was sitting at home going, oh, my God, mm -hmm. what am I doing? You know, and suddenly mm -hmm. it was just him and his wife. So I think that that risk factor, the social isolation is something that, you know, may be affecting brain health that specifically affects, you know, retired athletes who retire, dare say, at quite a young age relative to the rest of the population. Idiots like me, who will keep going to school probably. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not a trivial, it's not a trivial yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's it's one of the the biggest contributing factors, and it's one of the, I think one of the the biggest drivers that will drive, you know, um, players to to the to the clinic. 
I suppose the nuts and bolts. When um, when do you get down to work? When when do the doors uh, open? Have you got, have you got the tea and the coffee sorted? Or yeah, no, 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 yeah. Well, I'm hoping that the tea and the coffee is sorted. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got got a meeting in a few minutes' time to actually get you know the nuts and bolts um, finally sort, sorted out. We've got the equipment available. We just need to find out exactly where we're going, and then we'll be coming to 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 you know the powers that be and accessing the databases that we we. We know the whereabouts of certain people, but we're also hoping that people will see the likes mm -hmm. of this podcast. They'll mm -hmm. read what's in the news. They'll see what's on the t TV and they'll approach us and then we can direct them to the right space. And then slowly but surely, we'll recruit enough people into the clinic and we'll start to see them. But we're hoping to get the first player, the first patient in, mm -hmm. in the next couple of weeks. Couple of weeks. So, if somebody's watching this or seeing the news or seeing the reports or reading it, where, where do the where do the sign up? Where can they, who do the contact in the first instance? Yeah, we, we we haven't put the wider clinic information out just now, but if they use the general info uh, channel for 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 the SRU or if they look up my email in particular and just ping me a message, then I'll ensure that they get the necessary information. You're still looking after us after all those times, James, 30 odd years in the business. Everybody's still got your number. I think it's, it's, it's probably on speed dial from everybody, though. <laughs> we'll be in touch. Well, listen, it's brilliant. It's, uh, I know we've been part of this process for, for a good few, few years, um, and to actually have something physical and tangible to be launched, to be starting within the, the coming weeks, it's, uh, it's a huge thank you from, from, from my side as a retired international player um, and we, we wish it all the, the very best in the, in the weeks and months and years ahead thanks Chris thanks Chris thank you thank you once again for listening hope you found that entertaining and indeed insightful as well with the, the brain health clinic stuff with, with Dr James and Craig Ritchie good luck to everyone involved in rugby this weekend and we look forward to bringing more next time